Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio. The TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast, version 295, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain people. Oh, we got a lot to dazzle and entertain you with. The Cowboys have done it yet again. They are four games in. They are three and one, which you take, you enjoy, you love. We will break it down, the win over Washington, which both of us thought the Cowboys would win this game. It's hard to look at Washington and feel, if you are any semblance of a decent team, that you wouldn't beat Washington. The Cowboys are a semblance (laughs) of a good team. So they did beat Washington. This is a really interesting stretch that they will embark on here in the next four weeks. We're going to look at that. We'll look at the game, what it means, what it matters, what it taught us. But before we do that, Greening law, my friends, if you have been hurt in a car accident, if you were perhaps injured in the premises of a business, experienced malpractice from a physician, a hospital, whatever, you you need to give them a call. 972-934-8900. Greening law, if they decide to bring you on as a client, and it is a free consultation, I know this because I've done it, they handle all this stuff that a lot of it you don't even realize the details the you need to see this person you need to do this the calls that you'll get from insurance companies they're your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies and i am telling you if you feel like you've got a case you need to give them a call i mean that's the only smart intelligent thing to do is if you've got any kind of incident it's just pick up the phone and give them a call man and, and see what they see what they say and um if they bring you on as a client, you know, it's been your lucky day. Matt can tell you. You've heard him talk about it. They help you walk through what can be this complicated process, this litigious process, this, uh, you know, process has got a lot of moving parts to it. And who doesn't want somebody holding a flashlight, leading the way, saying, hey, follow me, don't worry about it. And uh, that's what Greening Law does. And um, if they take you on as a client, trust me, it's been your lucky day. It re- I'm telling you, Jacques, right, it is your lucky day. Because they grind for you, they work for you. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. The Cowboys are 3-1. and one. Cooper Rush continues to be undefeated as a starting quarterback, 4-0 in his career. But more importantly, 3-0 and this season. 3-1 and one I will take. 
if you, it, I think we've talked about this the last podcast. If if you are three and one in every four games of the season, you're looking at twelve and four. Let's right. throw in an extra loss. You're twelve and five. You're going to the playoffs. You're probably winning the division. Now you can look at this and say, well, what do we make of this? Washington's not good. They're one and three. Everybody wants to talk about the Giants aren't any good. Well, okay, they're three and one. So. If we're going to look around the league and say you're three and one, you're three and one, the Giants figured out a way to beat three teams other than the Cowboys. But this was a weird game for me because it's becoming more and more evident that what we have talked about, what we've described the last, God, man, I don't know, six months, like going way right. back, way back before training camp, before the season started. Now we have a month, which in the NFL, a, the first month is at least a solid sample size. This is an inept, dysfunctional, clunky offense. And it's a defense that we at least believe has a chance to be a very elite level defense. That's a pretty good way to, to look at it. I think the, uh, the offense right now is just bad. Um, I can see it getting better, though, uh, because I think you have to give the, the Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Noah Brown triumvirate. You got to give them a little time to find a little rink sink and a little rhythm. And then don't forget the real quarterbacks coming back in a week or two. And so, you know, it may be another month, another five weeks until we see the real Cowboys offense um, and, and see what they're capable of doing. And then, um, you know, once that happens, we'll have a better clue. Uh, because we hope the defense is what, what it looks like it is. And then if the offense gets just a little bit better, it'll be okay. Yeah, and, and you look at this game, and this was copious examples of a defense who's actually really good against, with Washington, an inept, crappy offense, which we knew they were. Now, I will say, if we just want to focus on the defense, just to, to jump out here, uh, you have to wonder, and this is where the Cowboys, you wonder at what point defensively will this bite them in the ass, and that's this chunk play offense that we've seen. Tampa Bay did it to them in the opener. Washington did it to them today, but they survived it with McKissick had a 33-yard run. Williams had a 23 and another run that was like 17 or whatever. Gibson had an 11-yard run, and it's these chunk plays in the run game that Dallas will give up, but they were able to manage and survive that today. Like, you look at this and you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Let's just take their three longest runs. That was 67 yards of what they were able to accomplish today for Washington. You take that, because they ran for 142 yards. You take 67 yards away from them, they had 75 yards on their other 24 carries. And so to me, because you look at, like, if you just look at the box score, 27 for 142 for 5.3 for Washington on the ground today. And you go, wow, that's that's not a very good defense. The problem is 24 of those runs went for 75 yards, which is horrible from Washington. But the other three, you wonder at what point is the Dallas defense going to get gashed again like they did against Tampa Bay and they give up these 10-plus yard runs or these explosive runs that bites them in the ass. It didn't today because Carson Wentz is horrible, but it set Washington up a couple of times where they could have taken advantage. Like, I feel like a better team takes better advantage of some of the runs they had. 
Yeah, it's, I think it's all weird because um, each game is kind of individual in, in some respects because you got to figure out what, they, what are they taking away, what are they trying to give up, what do they not care about. And, uh, you know, um, the runs were bad. There's no doubt about it. I mean, on the grades I put out, I think I gave them a D for run defense. Mm. Um, but the pass defense was sensational. And so I got to tell you, man, if you're going to give up something – 99% of the time, or, yeah, that's too much. 80% of the time in today's NFL, you'll take what they did today, which is give up a few runs in a run game, yeah. but don't give up anything in a passing game. Yeah, and to be fair, because they did the, the odds of somebody just beating your ass, running the ball all day long, is slimmer, is a lot slimmer than them passing and beating your ass. Yeah, and you look at it, and to your point, like with Carson Wentz, four yards per attempt, which is, you look at it from the Cowboys' perspective, insane. You look at it from an, an NFL Eagles' perspective, four yards a pass is trash, horrible. How in the world you can't average more than four yards a pass is insane. In the Cowboys' pass defense, they shut down Jahan Dotson. They shut down Curtis Samuel. They shut down, perhaps most impressively, Trayvon Diggs, who was mostly on Terry McLaurin, absolutely shut them down. And Trayvon Diggs had himself a game. He had himself, obviously, we all saw the interception that he had, had a chance for another interception, but the two passes that he had defensed, one on a fourth down that he knocks down that basically secures the game, the other one in the end zone, which was a genius play. I mean, that play that Trayvon Diggs had where he batted that ball down in the end zone, they talked about it on the broadcast a little bit, but my God, what a play on the ball he had. Dude, um, I put in my, uh, you know, I always write 10 truths about the Cowboys game, and uh, it shows up in the morning news uh, sometime this morning, which would be Monday morning for you mm -hmm. guys who are listening now, usually around 10 o'clock, something like that. But one of the things I put in there, man, was we might be watching him morph from a really good player to a great player. And you say, well, dude, he had 11, 11 interceptions last year. He was a great player last year. No, he wasn't a great player last year. He was a really good player last year because he made a bunch of interceptions, but he gave up a bunch of ass as well. What you're seeing now is a guy who still figured out how to get a couple interceptions and his hands on two or three other balls. He probably should have intercepted already. But what's he not giving up, Matt? He's not giving up those big plays. And now, and I said it last week, man, when, guy, when guys make catches on him, he's like right there. They just happen to great throw, great catch, and it happens in the NFL. And so you're seeing him take that next step to elite status and really be not just a guy who intercepts passes, but a guy who you can't make a bunch of plays on, on either. And that's, that's really what separates the great cornerbacks from the really good ones. It, it, one of the, and this is stunningly impressive by the Cowboys today with their pass defense, and you talked about this. Carson Wentz just started his 89th career game. He has appeared in 89 games in the NFL. That is the lowest yards per attempt he has ever had in his career. Yeah. 4.04, which is slightly worse Dang. than his 4.05 that he had against Baltimore in 2018. That is the worst pass yards per attempt that Carson Wentz has ever had. Now, I don't think Carson Wentz is some elite quarterback, but the fact that you can hold a guy in his 89th career game in the NFL to the worst yards per attempt he's ever had, that's impressive. 
I think the thing about it is not not only is that part impressive, but look at the fact. Look at look at the other numbers, dog. Uh, you mentioned Terry McLaren didn't do anything today. They gave up one pass of more than twenty yards today. Yeah. And how about this? Um, they didn't have. They had one receiver average more than ten yards a catch. I mean that is uh, that's wild because I mean everybody averages ten yeah, yards. Yeah, Jahan Dotson. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only one. Um, so their pass defense was sensational. They only had a couple sacks, but they hit him, they harassed him, they pressured him. Had a couple intentional grounding penalties. Uh, pass defense was really good, man. And this defense, you know, if Trayvon Diggs is going to be an elite, not just again, not just with interceptions, but with keeping guys in check and not allowing them to go off. And you had Michael Parsons, and you had what through the first four games has been a good run defense, all of a sudden you see all those elements coming together to be a really elite defense. Uh, because, again, what we talk about, they got stars at all three levels, especially DeMarcus Lawrence is pretty active today, not the three sacks, but they had a couple tackles for loss, yeah. had some pressures. Um, he's starting to, to find a rhythm in. You know, man, it's uh, I just want to see these next two games before I go all off on the defense. <laughs> I would agree. I and mean, I think they're really, really good, yeah. but – I'm just trying to figure out if they're really an elite, shut them down, championship caliber defense, regardless of what the offense is, um, or if they're just a really good defense. Yeah, and, and, and to your point, because you kind of look at who they've played so far, and obviously go the Giants and, and, and Washington have crappy defenses or crappy offenses. I, I, we, we all know that. Their offenses aren't any good. Tampa, who knows what to make of what they are on offense. And, and Cincinnati, I think, is is starting to come around a little bit. But to your point, playing the Los Angeles Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles is going to offer you much more of a challenge. You know, t- today I, I was impressed. Micah doesn't show up on the stat sheet with sacks today. Like, you wouldn't look at his stat line and be like, wow, man, Micah Parsons. Because he only had four tackles. He had one tackle for a loss. He had multiple times where he pressured Carson Wentz into throwing incompletions. I, I know for a fact one of the times where he got into the backfield caused one of those intentional grounding plays that he had. It, it, I think Donovan Wilson had the other one. You know, those are ones where I wonder if the NFL would ever look at that and decide to credit a sack if it's ruled as an intentional grounding to the defender who caused it. Because then if you did that, Michael would have had one today. But you look at their ability. That's not a, that's not a bad idea. Well, I, yeah, because I was looking at that today. I was like, man, you it's a loss of down, and you give it to the spot where the quarterback would have been sacked. So everything else about the play is as though he was sacked, except for giving credit to the defender who caused that play to happen. And, I feel you on that. And, and to me, today, you would have seen that a couple of times at the Cowboys. They would have had a couple more sacks because of the intentional grounding penalties. Dominant defensive effort, man. This, and again, you wonder, okay, you're about to go against Stafford and Cup and the Rams. Then you're going to go against Hurts and Brown and, and Devontae Smith and, and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think we're all kind of waiting for that to see. You'll be on the road. It'll be a different bit. But this was a very frustrating effort for, I think, Washington for the most part. Because again, as you pointed out with the pass defense, Washington could do nothing through the air. Carson Wentz, I'll say it again, the lowest yards per attempt he's ever had in the history of his career is 89th game in the NFL. And if you take away the three runs, the Cowboys held Washington to three yards per carry on their other 24 runs. 
So they basically gave up three plays in the run game that were explosive plays where they got gassed a little bit. And as far as the pass game, they gave up, what, I think one play that was over 20 yards? Yeah. And that was really kind of a scramble busted play where, uh, you know, he got lost in the zone because the play went off count. You know, it it just lasted longer than usual because Carson Wentz was scrambling because he almost got sacked. Uh, And so that happens sometimes. And so, you know, they played terrific, you know, pass defense, man. And, and again, they only gave up, I think, 274 yards. I mean, I'm not, yeah. you can't really complain about that. <laughs> no, you can't, man. I mean, a couple of sacks, and you can look at it and say maybe they should have had more sacks. But, again, I throw those, those intentional groundings kind of into that category. You look at Washington, 4.2 yards per play, 155 passing, 142 rushing. But, again, only three rushes that were, and they were big. They gashed them. But all in all, this is such a good defense. And to your point earlier, and you brought this up about Trayvon Diggs, we talked about this in the offseason as a boomer bust player. He almost had a second interception today. He already had one interception in the game. And the two plays he made that were not interceptions, the elevation and the ability to get his hand on the ball in that play in the end zone that would have been a game changer potentially. And then that fourth down play, where he barely got an arm on it, but got an arm on it, you almost look at that and you say, at what point are, and I wonder this, at what point are quarterbacks going to stop throwing the ball when Trayvon Diggs is on that side of the field? Because the pass that he intercepted, it's like he ran the route. I mean, he ran the receiver route, and you just he caught it like he was the receiver, and then the two passes defense that were huge plays in this game. If he keeps playing like this, there will come a point this season where they'll they'll back off and they'll quit trying him, because uh, you know last year he was one of the amongst the league leaders in in passes targeted because mm-hmm. nobody feared him. They're like, well, he might get a pick, no no doubt, he might, yeah, yeah. but we might bust him on a double move for a fifty yard touchdown, so it's worth a chance. Let's let's you know let's go for it. Uh, but if he's going to continue to play like he is this year, uh, then um, I think at a certain point the risk reward will not be the same and it'll be, you know, it's just not worth it when we can go attack, you know, Anthony Brown yeah. over here on the other side. Um, and, you know, while we're talking about that, I thought Deron Bland played terrific uh, in place of Jordan Lewis, whose strain is growing right before the game. And this to me is a, this to me was a classic example of that dude played pretty good all preseason. He just mm-hmm. kept making plays in the preseason. And so you're like, well, he made plays all in the preseason, which is what you're supposed to do. And as soon as he got a chance to play in the regular season, what did he do? He looked just like he did in the preseason. And to me, it's those types of guys, and this is just the business of the NFL. Like, you need that guy to play so that you don't have to pay Jordan Lewis $3 million. You can pay this or $4 million, whatever he's making. You can pay this guy for four years, you know, 500000 Yeah, and That's how you keep your salary cap. Because nobody expects Jordan Lewis, when you drafted him, to get a second contract um, as a nickel guy. Even though he's cool, he's a good, solid player, he'll play 10 years in the league, no problem. But the way the economics of the league work, somebody else needs to go pay him, and you need to replace him with a cheaper body like Deron Bland, who's a fifth-round pick out of Fresno State. Yeah, and he was, I mean, he had a great interception. I mean, that was a phenomenal play because he read that, made the move on the ball, looked like Trayvon Diggs cutting in to pick up that interception, had a couple of tackles, another pass defense. He was very, very good today. 
So again, this Cowboys defense, and it's weird because remember it used to be with the Cowboys defense a few years ago. If Sean Lee got hurt, well, so much for this defense. They're going to get 400 points. And now it feels like when guys get hurt or they're not 100%, they've got some depth on this defense with guys that can make play. I mean, Gallimore had a phenomenal game today. Micah Parsons, as we mentioned, didn't have a sack, but affects the pocket so much. Leighton Vander Esch had a, game, a, a good game today. Donovan Wilson, again, was all over the field. It just feels like there's a lot of depth on this defense. Dante Fowler had a phenomenal game today. And they just, it, it's it's really interesting because, again, you go back to the Sean Lee days. Well, Sean Lee's on the field. This defense sucks. Now it's like, okay, Micah had no sacks. So what? Micah had no sacks, and the rest of the defense continually makes plays and puts up stats, and there's multiple players on this defense who are capable of making plays and putting up a number. No, I thought it was uh, – I mean, I think you just – this is the result in general of good drafting. I mean, Donovan Wilson is a six-round pick, but that mm. dude's been a thumper yeah. since he showed up. Deron Bland's a fifth-round pick. Um, they're getting good production. You know, Anthony Brown was a uh, was a late round, later round pick. Uh, Jordan Lewis, I think, third or fourth round pick. Uh, they've gotten good usage out of their mid to late round picks. Uh, you know, when a lot of times it's just throwing darts on the board. Somebody's got a skill set that you like, and then you hope you can develop them. Well, they've done a good job of that, and they've they're reaping some rewards. And uh, you know, I think Wilson is a guy who stands out to me. He's like a human missile. Yeah. And you haven't even missed J. Ron Curse, who's been, you know, who's a terrific player for him last year. Yeah, I mean, it's very true. And th- this is a legit good defense. I really do think it is. As you mentioned, very curious to see two consecutive road games coming up. You got the featured game next Sunday afternoon against the Rams in an offense that we all kind of look at and say that's going to be a great test for the Cowboys defense. And then the week after that is against what may be the 5-0 and Philadelphia Eagles at that point. They're 4-0 now on the road in Philadelphia. That, to me, as you kind of mentioned, very curious to see if the Cowboys defense can hold both of those offenses as they've held everybody else underneath 20 points, then we may be looking at one of the best defenses in the NFL and, and one of the best defenses in Cowboys history. We'll see. Yeah, I think we just need to see those tests. It doesn't right. mean they suck yeah. if they don't shut them down. I'm just, I'm really in my mind, I'm just trying to determine are they a top five defense or are they a top ten defense? Because it's clear to me that they're a damn good defense. And they got, you know, arguably one of the top three different, the three defensive players in the league. And then they got some other guys uh, who are really good. So, you know, I think I said this last week, man, they don't really have any bad players on defense. Uh, they have some, you know, maybe some guys you'd call average. Uh, but if your worst player is average in the NFL on a unit, you're doing pretty good. I mean, they've given up 19 to Tampa, 17 to Cincinnati, 16 to New York, 10 to Washington. They're trending in the right direction. And you look at this, they've only given up four touchdowns in four games. That is, I don't give a crap. This is the NFL. Right. Whoever you playing, man, that's damn good. Right. Like, and everybody, oh, you haven't played anybody. I don't give a crap who you play. If you can go through a four-game stretch against anybody in the NFL and only give up four touchdowns and you still haven't give up more than 19 points in a four-game stretch, that is a phenomenal defensive effort. This is the NFL. People have this idea at some point that the NFL is like college where, well, you played an FCS school. There's no FCS school. This is the NFL. 
The worst team in the NFL is still, like, there's not some weird drastic drop-off. There's not some roster that's grossly under-talented from the rest of the league. Now, they may have some injuries, and they may be going through some things. This is the NFL. And if you can do what the Cowboys just did in a four-game stretch, that is a damn impressive defense. No, there's no there's no other way to say it, and it doesn't need any equivocation. I mean, the fact that they did it speaks for itself. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It's hard to keep teams out of you, out of the end uh, zone. Don't forget, man, all the rules are designed for the offense. Right. We, um, yes. You know, so, no, I thought um, they played terrific. They played like the game went the way I thought it would go. I think, I, I think my prediction in the paper was – 26 14 um and they were on that pace for a while yeah and I, they, I had 24 14 i think on our podcast see? that we gave yeah see you're very close yeah we, we were right they, on it i figured they they're off you know i didn't believe in the offense i figured they'd kick a lot of field goals and not be able to cash home touchdowns and that's kind of what happened to them that's today. exactly what happened and we got to get into the offense and we will as we continue but before we do that, we do need to tell you about Freeway Tire Shop. I mean, if you, again, Jacques's been there many, many times. I, I'm at a situation here where I live now where I wish that I could take my car there because I, you guys know this. One of the worst things in life is when you drop your car off at a mechanic and you're like, well, all I said was I needed an oil change. I hope he doesn't screw me. Because you don't know. You don't trust. We, for whatever reason, do not trust mechanics because we've had some bad experiences, whatnot. Freeway Tire Shop, oil change, tire rotation, state inspection, the simple stuff, or legit work, we have found the mechanic you can trust who stands behind his work, who does it right, and if for whatever reason you feel like he didn't, he'll continue to work on it and back up what he's doing for you. Dude, I mean, what else, what else you want from a mechanic, man? I, I I don't know. Uh, when you work with Jr. and Freeway Tire, man, it's all about trust. Like Matt said, trust him to diagnose the issue. Trust him to use quality parts to fix the issue. Trust him to charge you a fair price, and then trust him to stand behind his work. I mean, what the hell else do you want? I can't think of anything. <laughs> Jr. and his team over there, at Freeway Tire, they do that a hundred percent of the time. That's why I rock with them, man. All my cars go there. It's Freeway Tire Shop. It's just north of downtown Dallas. I will tell you this. If you are in the DFW area, experience it. Literally, go go just experience dropping your car off and feeling like, cool, I trust this guy. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Online, freewaytireshop.com. Schedule an appointment. Request a quote. You can make it happen. Also, Bruce Biltong, who makes a podcast possible. I'll tell you, man, Bruce Biltong, you and I have talked about this before. When we were first approached by Brew, Steve Isaacs, who owns Brew's Biltong, I was like, well, let's try it first, because I I don't know anything about this. As many of you are probably like, what the hell is Biltong? And then we sampled it, and I was like, holy crap, this is really good. Because if you like beef jerky, which I liked beef jerky, it's so much better than beef jerky. It's a South African air-dried meat. It's tender. It's savory. Once you have bruised biltong, I feel like you're done with beef jerky. I don't think there's any doubt about it, man. It's because it's succulent, it's juicy. Basically, it gives you everything beef jerky does, except it doesn't get stuck in your teeth and it's not dry and tasteless. So, um, I rock with the biltong also because, check this out now, two-ounce pouch, 
I rock with sliced biltong. But the two-ounce pouch has got 230 calories, which is fine. And it's got 30 grams of protein, so it's good for you. Um, if you're trying to watch your weight, it's the perfect snack. It's, yep. you know, I got nothing but good things to say about butt strips. There it is. It is. It's, it's butt strips. That's what biltong means in Dutch. I mean, that's literally the translation. It's Bruce Biltong online at B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruceBiltong.com. Use that promo code JAM15 at checkout. It's J-A-M, the number 15. You get 15% off your order at BruceBiltong.com. This offense... Yikes. I'm going to say, <laughs> well, I say that because you put up 25 points, but you look at this offense, and it's really probably the one thing that jumps out to me about this offense that tells you that this offense is inept and is actually not very good, despite the fact they scored 25 points. The Cowboys offense today had five drives that had an explosive play on them, and another drive that they started at the Washington 20. Out of those six complete drives, the Cowboys scored two touchdowns. Not enough, bro. I, I To me, when, when you have the Cowboys' first drive, third and five. Oh, check down to Zeke, who explodes down the sideline for a gain of 31. Field goal. When you have another drive over the middle for a slant, which is a great option, Lamb ran a great route here, 23-yard gain. Not to mention the fact, not only was it a 23-yard gain, Lamb had 23-yard gain, 16-yard gain, 17-yard gain, field goal. I mean, it, it, it should have been, early on in this game, it should have been 14-0 game over. It was 6-0 early on. They had another drive where there was an, they had two pass interference plays. For big, big gains. They had another one where they hit Noah Brown for a 45-yard gain on that deep pass. Great pass from Cooper Rush. Immediately on the next play, commit a false start. Field goal. And and you look at this offense and you say, because you go back, let's go back to the Giants game. And these are two defenses, two teams we don't think are very good in the Giants in, in, in Washington. And I can't remember the amount of drives they had last week. It was, I think it might have been five drives where they had explosive plays, which are plays over 20 yards or more. And you look at the inability of the Cowboys offense to get touchdowns on those drives where usually speaking, if you have a drive where you get a 20-yard play or more, you're scoring touchdowns and the Cowboys simply do not do this. No, I think it's because they just don't have any any consistency with their offense because i mean one of the things i've talked about for years and i ain't breaking no news here is that when you when you get big plays you score and i've tracked them over the years and it's about 85 90 percent of the time if you get a big play in the drive you score and then about 80 percent of that time you score a touchdown uh because it's hard to consistently drive the ball um against nfl caliber defenses you know 10 plays 80 yards um, so it seems weird that they had the big plays today and couldn't catch them in. But then you look, they had a couple penalties that short-circuited drives, and they're just not good enough to overcome penalties, man. They're just not. Yeah. Um, and so when they have them on offense, bro, it basically wrecks the drive because they get behind the chains. They're trying to run the ball, and they have to go away from what they do best. 
Yeah, and it's wild because you look at this, man, and, and it's just, again, you, like you talk about the penalties. You go back, think of this. Dallas is up at this point. It's 12-7 to 7 because they were, they're unable to score touchdowns. They hit Noah Brown for a gain of 45. I mean, you're in the red zone. I believe it, it went down to the 16, as I recall. Immediately a false start. So on the heels of a 45-yard gain deep in the red zone, you commit a false start. It's it, Yeah, it's first and 15, and now you're on the 22. <clears throat> Zeke gets hit for a minus one. It's, se- it's second and 16. Drive then, over. You're, yeah, you, you get half of it back on a pass to Lamb. It's third and eight. Nothing. Another field goal. 15 to seven. So somehow, despite the fact you just had a 45-yard play, you get a field goal out of it, and instead of being what probably should have been 21 to seven at that point, you're 15 to seven, and you're just allowing Washington to hang into this. You go back to the next drive after that, after Washington made it 15 to 10. You you go, Rush goes deep to Gallup. I mean, it's a blatant pass interference on that Saint, whatever the dude's name is, from Washington who just can't play corner and grabs and holds. <laughs> it's an obvious pass interference call. That put the ball at the 35. That was a essentially a gain of 38 yards. Yeah. Now they finally score on this one. That's the one drive of the game in which they had a 20-plus yard play that they were able to score a touchdown on. That's the one drive. You go later in the game. At this point, Washington is trying to hang around. They go to Gallup deep again. It's another pass interference call. Gain of 27 yards for the Cowboys. Then they go to Zeke for seven. It's third and three. Zeke gets nothing. They have to punt. And I wrote this. I go, that's now five plays of 20-plus yards. Only once does it lead to a touchdown. And I just wonder, you do this against the Rams, you do this against the Eagles, and you get one touchdown out of five drives when you have an explosive play, I don't think you're winning games. I think it's really hard, man. It's really hard. It puts an inordinate amount of pressure on your defense to continue to just slow down and stop people. Um, But it's, uh, you know, this offense right now, I'm giving it a bit of a break, and that's because they don't have Dak. <clears throat> and I think, uh, you know, Cooper Rush has done a fine job. He really has. But some of this y'all got to understand is the expectation you have of him is so low. Yeah. That basically if he can walk and chew gum at the same time, wow. you think, oh, wow, what a great job you've done. Um, because the bot- – and, and again, Cooper Rush has done a fine, fine job. But the offense's job is to score points, and and he hasn't led them to enough touchdowns on a regular basis. Now, you know, this is not a criticism of him. It's just a reality of it. And and it's because he's playing within himself. Uh, And I like the fact that they took some shots today, but their offense is just – I think the right word is, and you had it, Matt, is clunky. But I'm going to tell you all this. When you base your offense around a running game, which you're doing right now, Anything that throws you off, a tackle for loss, a five-yard penalty, your drive is just screwed. You're done. You're done because you can't make it up. And you look at Cooper Rush today, and and, and I thought the same thing. It's the expectations. There are none for Cooper Rush because if Dak had made the two throws that Cooper Rush made today that were both intercepted, that were called back for a penalty – in one case was nowhere near where the interception occurred. 
people would be roasting Dak. They would be roasting Dak. But Cooper Rush, on a third and seven, had an atrocious throw on the Cowboys' fifth drive. Easy interception. Anybody, I could have intercepted that ball. But <laughs> overturned because of a stupid-ass Washington penalty. It happened again later in the game where Cooper Rush made an un, like a horrible decision. It's picked off by Washington, but there's a penalty. And I, I, I thought, because there's a guy in my fantasy group he goes, oh, Cooper Rush, he's like, oh, he only threw that because he knew that there was a hold or knew. I was like, no, he didn't. That, those, <laughs> those two passes were god-awful passes that he got away from because Washington's not any good and committed a penalty. And I even put out, I, I told my buddy, I said, look, if Dak had made the throw, what would you have said? But because it's Cooper Rush and we don't expect anything from him, oh, well, that's no big deal. <laughs> But that, I'm serious. That's how it works. Those were god-awful decisions, especially the one where he threw off his back foot, and that ball was just up in the air forever. He also got lucky on that play in the end zone where Deron Payne batted the ball down, and it was up in the air, and they were talking about, man, if Payne just looks up, that's an easy – he just catches it in the air. It's a touchdown. Cooper Rush, <laughs> he was not stellar today. He had a couple of nice deep passes. I think he's done really good as a backup quarterback, but let's make no mistake about it. If it's a different situation, and that's Dak Prescott about it, we are sitting here going, man, well, Dak, I mean, you can't do that if you're Dak Prescott. No, you're, you're right. And I think you just got to look beyond the wins are great. And, you know, I, I think I wrote today, you know, the Cowboys are not so good, in my opinion, that they can their fan base can style point wins yet. Mm-hmm. They're not. I mean, if you're Kansas City and you want to style point wins, okay, I ride with that. Um, you know, if you're the Rams, maybe or Philadelphia right now, okay, I ride with that. But this team isn't that good to do that, man. And so, any dub that they get, they can go ahead and celebrate because I'm not really style pointed. It's uh, right now. It's about stacking wins, surviving the absence of your quarterback, and seeing that when Dak gets back. You know, uh, will they still keep a similar style of offense? Um, and can he take more advantage of it and so that they can get up to 24, 26 points a game? Because if they can, if this defense is what we think it is, they're going to be really hard to beat then. Yeah, and, and that's part of it. And you look at this, and man, we've talked about Cooper Rush has made himself a ton of money. I'll be actually very curious if there's a team out there that is looking at this sample size from Cooper Rush that thinks that he could come in and be more than what he is? Or is he just a backup quarterback that is going to hang out with the Cowboys? We'll find out. I don't know. You know, is Dak going to play next week? It almost sounds like probably not that you will see Rush against the Rams, and you just kind of wonder, that's three games in a row. Now he's going to go into another week. At, At some point, teams start getting more film on him. He makes some of those mistakes. If you're playing a team that's better than Washington, maybe those are not penalties maybe those are two interceptions that changed the game but the reality of it was they weren't interceptions he went today Cooper Rush was 15 of 27 223 eight yards a pass two touchdowns no interceptions for a 107.5 rating he's been very very good but it, it's weird because it, it continues to be a thing I had somebody that just texted me like earlier tonight and it's this weird I think what, and this is fair with Dak. It is. It's fair. I've I've talked about this. You are getting paid for results. And when you get paid the amount of money Dak is getting paid, 
it changes our perception of what we're willing to accept, which is why I brought up that point about Carson, or excuse me, about Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, we don't care. Even if those had been picks. <laughs> Seriously, even if those had been picks, oh, it's no big deal. If Dak throws Rush. those, right, if Dak throws those balls, oh, you can't, that's bullshit. You can't do that because Dak's making 40-something million dollars a year. Cooper Rush is the first NFL quarterback ever to win his first four starts with a passer rating of 90 or more in each game. He's also only the sixth undrafted quarterback in the Super Bowl era to start 4-0. So now, and then Jerry has to blab his mouth. So now you get people that text you, you get people that message you and go, I mean, maybe Cooper Rush should be the guy. Stop it. <laughs> and you said... Go ahead. I was going to say, you sent me something. I don't know where this came from, but Barry Church, who was on that Cowboys team when Dak took over for Romo, and I thought it was really interesting what he talked about. It was an interview on the uh, flagship station. Okay, so from the fan. And so I, I thought it was really interesting because he talked about how they all looked at Romo kind of as a coach. And we've talked about this, I think, in the past, like a long time ago. Right. Romo was not universally loved with the Cowboys. No. Like, like to a man, there were guys on the Cowboys that didn't like Romo. See, I would say, let me see. See, I don't think they disliked him. They thought he was a bit aloof. And so it's not that they didn't like, they were ambivalent toward him. I think that's a better word. Right. And uh, so Dak comes in and Barry Church, like the, the comments from Barry Church kind of talk about this because Dak comes in and it's different. And he says, we kind of saw Romo as a coach out there rather than a teammate. Like, I don't want to speak for everybody. Maybe that's just my experience. But what I really feel like it was easier for us to say, no, this is Dak's team. This is where we need to go. And he talks about this. He said, with Cooper Rush, he said, it'll be extremely tough. If Rush were to go out there and beat the Rams, beat the Eagles, there's a lot of momentum on one guy's side. Players will start to think about it if it were to happen. But Dak is so locked in, so ingrained, and such a leader on the team, he treats no one different. Like, you could be Zeke or you could be the last guy on the practice squad. He treats everybody the same with such respect. He has such respect in that locker room. And Barry Church, and again, he's not on the team now, as we all know, but he was a part of that team that went through that transition with Romo to Dak. He says, I just can't see it. If it came down to the player saying, we want to ride with Cooper Rush, I just can't see that happening because Dak is so ingrained in the locker room as a leader. No, I think that's, uh, <clears throat> you know, man, the, the whole thing about Romo, which I try to tell the Romo sexuals, is... <laughs> nice. There was nobody riding for Romo. Not even Jason Witten. Yeah. You never heard Jason Witten publicly go, hey, Tony's my guy. He needs his job back. Or Tony's my guy. He should be the court. You never heard that from Jason Witten. Yeah. And then who's the man who gave away his job? That's his BFF. The guy he was going to basketball games with, Carolina and Duke or whatever he was doing. That was Jason Garrett gave his job away. <laughs> so if the two guys who loved you most in the organization gave your job away, you know, it is what it is, man. Yeah, and, and that's, 
you know, based on everything that, that you know about Dak, and, and this is, you and I talked about this. I mean, we talked about this on the radio years ago when we were doing the radio show. The intangibles of what Dak brings. And people, oh, that, that, it matters. It matters. Like, not only can he make the throws and he's good on the field, guys believe in him. And they believe in him to an extent where that type of stuff matters, which is why when we, when I always would go back and, and I, look, you want to criticize Dak at this point in year seven? I get it. I'm, I'm done trying to argue with people. All right. But the guys on the team believe in this guy. And you have to understand that. And you can't measure that. There's no stat for that. Now, I do get it. And I've been very vocal about this. He got paid for a reason. If he goes through his four-year contract at the money he's making and they don't get at least to an NFC championship game, then, yeah, you can look at this and you can say, he can't get it done. He failed. And you can't argue against that because that's why they're paying him. They're, but the reality of it is there's no quarterback controversy here. There's no Cooper Rush is going to be this guy. That's just the fact of the matter. Dak is going to come in, whether it's next week or against the Eagles or the week after that. Dak Prescott's the quarterback of this team. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's not really even worth mentioning. But this is what Jerry creates when he talks. <laughs> right. Well, and then the whole idea, well, they're 3-0. Cooper Rush is 3-0. Cooper Rush has been, let's be honest, Cooper Rush has been effective. Cooper Rush has been better than I thought he would be. But, man, I've, I've got people that I talk to that are, I mean, it gets to a point and it just blows my mind. I say, okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, what do you want to do with Dak? Well, I would trade him. Okay. What do you want to trade him for? Who, do you, who are you trading him to? You know, and it's, he's just, it goes back to when we talked about signing Dak, what's the other alternative? There, there's like this weird delusion like, you, you can't, there's no, you're not getting rid of Dak. You're not trading Dak. There's, I just don't understand it. Dak is a good quarterback. Is he great? He hasn't been. But he's a good quarterback that you can win with. And the fact that people want to believe that Cooper Rush, who any team in the NFL, I, I think I tweeted this out earlier. I was like, imagine Washington. They could have had Cooper Rush basically for free. Instead, they're paying Carson Wentz $28 million to do what Carson Wentz did. You know? You know, Which but... Is, uh, crazy. Right, but the fact that people want to believe that Carson... Or, excuse me, that Cooper Rush is this undiscovered gem who, again, we've talked about this. The dude's been in the year... This is not an undrafted rookie. This isn't even a fourth-round drafted rookie like Dak where you really didn't know what he was. This is the six-year Cooper Rush has been in the league... Everybody has been able to grab him at any time they wanted to. He it, it, he left Dallas. He was in New York. Like, this is not some, oh, my God, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> he knows the offense really well. Like, he gets the offense, and they're, they're working the offense to function around what he is. But I would be shocked if you got a full season of tape and you got several games into this season with Carson or with – why do I want to call him Carson Wentz? Maybe he's the same guy. With Cooper Rush – that he's still performing at this level. No, I mean, I think uh, everything's about perspective, man. Cooper Rush cool as a backup quarterback. He's had a, a really strong run right now. But he got lucky today, and it's like any other 
backup quarterback, man, for the most part, if they're exposed for too long, the things that make them a backup quarterback will start to show themselves. It's not a knock on Cooper Rush. He's done great. He's done better than you could have imagined. Um, the 3-0 and is as good as it gets. Uh, it gets cranked up next week, and let's see what he can do. But the thing I like him, and he, he got lucky today, is he hadn't made mistakes at lost games. Right, and, and, and like you said, he got lucky today because those were two picks. Like, I don't know. Uh, maybe we can endeavor to find out. Maybe we'll text Elias or something. When's the last time somebody had two interceptions overturned or negated by penalties in a game? Uh, I bet that's been a long time. Yes. That doesn't sound to me like something that happens very often. And one of them was hands down a horrible atrocious. It should have been a pick, and the penalty had nothing to do with the actual pick. The other one I believe did where they called a penalty because of he like held him or something before they they got to the pass. And, it, you know, who knows? That, would that have affected the interception or not? But literally the other one, had not, it wasn't even near the pick. It was just a horrible, god-awful throw. And that has happened to him a couple of times. And I just kept sitting there watching this like, man, if this is Dak, people are, they're done. Like our podcast is people blowing us up on Twitter going, oh, this guy sucks. Like you can't, but it's perspective because Cooper Rush costs you nothing and Dak Prescott's making 40 something million dollars a year. And that's what it is. No, no, you're right. And so we'll see. I mean, the Cowboys are three and one. I'm, I, I am fascinated by what comes next for this team. And, and, and before we get into what does come next for this team, HFX Foundation Solutions. I'd be fascinated if they came out to your place because it's a free no-obligation inspection. And with the summer that you guys had in DFW, that extreme insane heat followed by like deluge of rain, that will screw up your foundation, man. If you're noticing cracks or sticking doors, soil washout, those are the types of things where your home might be telling you, hey, there might be a problem here. Call Aaron. Give him a call. 817-770-0174. HFX Foundation Solutions. They will come out, give you the once over. And I will tell you this. Foundation is a type of thing, like you always like to call it colonoscopy. Why do we get colonoscopies? To, to find stuff before it becomes cancerous or something that's horrible. Yeah. I mean, foundation inspection is the same thing. You have them come out. Let's let's see, do we catch it super early where we can fix it and it doesn't cost you thousands and thousands of dollars? It's just like a colonoscopy. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why we, we, we say you should go out there, give Aaron and his team a call, let them help you out. Um, you know, 817-500-0700, that's the number. Give them a call, man, just for the peace of mind. That's why you get a colonoscopy. That's why your house needs one, too. Peace of mind. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. Online, hfxfoundation.com. Also, of course, Smokey John's. You hungry? God, I'm actually really hungry right now. And we're recording this late on a Sunday night. I could tear up a jam session bowl right now. Well, let me tell you a little story about a jam session bowl. I'd love to hear it. I went and had one last week. And it's, I know that's a little frequently, but it happens just like me and Matt told you. I ordered it, they fixed it, and these two ladies behind me said, hey, what is that? And I went over to them and said, hey. And I looked around like, hey, it's on the secret menu. <laughs> it's the jam session bowl. She goes, well, what's in it? I said, hey, keep your voice down, keep your voice down. You get a base of mac and cheese or, or mashed potatoes. 
And then you get two of these five meats. I said, I said, I pick brisket and sausage. Mm. I go, but you can have chicken in it or turkey or ribs. You know, it's whatever. Two of the five. Yeah. And they weigh it on the scale. So you're getting the full, the full meat. I said, then they put all the stuff that you'd find on like a baked potato, you know, chives and cheese, sour cream, butter if you want it. I told them to keep the butter out of mine. Um, you know, and then they put, they drizzle this barbecue sauce on it. I said, it's fantastic. But don't be telling a lot of people about it. Just check out the secret menu. And you know what? They got up there and they go, yeah, I, just, I, I want whatever that is that guy just had. That's nice. You can, you can thank me later. I don't know when, since I'll probably never see you again, but. You can thank me if you see me. <laughs> it's the jam session bowl, man. It's not on the menu. Grab it. They made it just for us, only for jam session podcast listeners. Like, you got to listen to podcasts to even know this exists. Smokey John's barbecue, phenomenal. I had something, I had something the other day. I put the Smokey John's barbecue sauce on, and it wasn't barbecue. I'm trying to remember what it was. But the lady, she was like, you know, I bet this would go with barbecue, would go well with barbecue sauce. Like, Fortunately for us, I've got Smokey John's barbecue sauce, and I just poured it all over it. I'm telling you, <laughs> you can order the sauce, the rub, wherever you live at SmokeyJohns.com. Just click on Smokey's Market. It's Smokey John's Barbecue right there in Dallas off Mockingbird. Go try the Jam Session Bowl. You guys are going to love it. So you look ahead at these Dallas Cowboys, and you do look at what's coming up. And they're 3-1. and one. They've won three games in a row. Now they've got two road games, and I, I this fascinates me. I don't think Detroit is like Dan Campbell's trying to build something really trying to build something, but you look at Detroit and you go, well, what are, what is Detroit all about? And, and man, they got in a shootout. They scored 22 fourth quarter points today against Seattle. I don't think any of us believe Seattle's any good. Well, the lions lost to the Eagles. They beat Washington. They lost to the Vikings and the Seahawks. They got the Patriots before the Cowboys. Then you look at the bears I don't think any of us think the Bears are any good. They got beat by the Giants today, who, by the way, are are three and one. And I'm right. looking at what the Cowboys have coming up in the next four, with or without Dak. I think they go three and one in the next four. I think they'll split Philadelphia and LA. I don't know how. And I think they'll beat the Bears. And I think they'll beat the the Lions. I'm sitting here going, man, this might be this is realistically going to be a six and two team eight games into this thing. I ain't ready to go there yet because I, I just don't think their offense is that good. I think uh, I'd love to see them split the next two, but I think they're dropping the next two. Wow, 0-2 uh, in the next two to the Rams and the Eagles then. Yeah, I, think I just um, their offense to me is just not very good. It's not. I will agree. And And those are teams that you could play good and lose, especially on the road. And then don't forget, man, you're going West Coast to East Coast. Um, that's more than a notion. And uh, like I said, I'd love to see it. And then Dak's going to be back, you think, against the Eagles. It's his first game back in five games. Uh, I don't think you can expect him to play great. You can hope he does. But uh, remember, he ain't played none in the preseason either, bro. Yeah. Um, so I just think that's a lot. I'd love to see him win one, but I think it's a lot. If they can, then, yeah, I think you're dead on that. They got a chance to be uh, six and two um, if they can split it. I think uh, I think Detroit is the one to worry about. Like the what we've seen, you know, dude. I don't know if the Bears will score more than two field goals against the Cowboys defense. The Bears are not good. 
No, but Detroit, man, the thing about Detroit is Dan Campbell got them boys playing. Yeah, they believe. Hard, bro. It, it's They are bringing yes. it. And, and it, I, <laughs> just I'm actually talented. I'm surprised they're one and three. That they're they are actually they're fighting, man. That that is a team that really cares and is buying in. They lost to the Eagles by three. They lost to the Vikings by four. They lost to the Seahawks by three. This is not a team that's just laying over and getting thumped. No, what happens is they're doing what teams they're doing what bad teams do before they get good, which is they're hanging around. And they don't know how to win, or they're keeping games close. Uh, because they don't have enough talent. Uh, so he's got them on the right track. So to me, that's a that's a bit of a tricky game. Uh, I think that's on the road too, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Detroit, Detroit's at home. No, because they, they, they're at Detroit's the Rams. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a break then. It'd be even trickier if it was on the road. But anyway, the point being, I, I don't even care if they go two and two in the next four, man. To me. I'll take it. That's five, five and three. And three. Yeah. Five and three, man, with losing your quarterback for yeah. – Four games, I take that as a win. It's going to be really interesting next four game stretch. Philadelphia should have lost today. Flat out, they should have lost. Trevor Lawrence had five turnovers. He threw a pick, fumbled it four times that the Eagles recovered, and they won. 29 to 21. I mean, th- th- honestly, Jacksonville should have won that game. I mean, how in the world do you only win by eight points? And the other team turns it over five times. I don't know. I mean, that is a the Eagles were plus four in the turnover margin, and were only up by six at halftime. You know, that's one of those games. The Eagles are what they are. The Rams they play. Many of you listen to this on Monday. The Rams will play Monday night against San Francisco on the road. Will they be three and one? Will they be two and two? We'll see. But this is a really interesting stretch for the Cowboys. Dak is going to come back sometime in the next four games. As you pointed out, even if you only go two and two, if you're five and three, eight games into this thing, you know, you look at that and you start going, okay, well, what are we? And if they can go three and one and they can split these road games, with the Eagles and the Rams, and you can get to six and two, you can start, I mean, you can start imagining some things. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. I probably am crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think you are. But hey, it's okay. But I start, okay. I, like, I look at this thing, man, and, and just because of the defense and the depth of the defense, and I, and I totally agree with you. I think this offense, hell, I said it earlier, this offense is inept. But I wonder when Dak comes back, and then, yeah, the run game got shut down today, but once Gallup gets up to speed, and we saw it today, I mean, he had a couple of routes where he, they, they interfered with them on a couple of routes because he beat them. And I just sit there and go, man, how much do you really need from this offense if the defense can consistently play at this level? And I, I haven't seen anybody else in the NFC. Like, after the Eagles today, I, I, I would have put the Eagles up there as the team in the NFC right now that's playing pretty damn good. But they were very mortal today. Trevor Lawrence just shit the bed, so to speak. I don't know that I see anybody else in the NFC. Like, I'm stunned Green Bay keeps winning. You know, Minnesota had to escape New Orleans, who's horrible today. Outside of this, I just don't know that there's anybody in the NFC that I look at that I can sit there and say, I truly believe if they played the Cowboys, they would thump the Cowboys. Uh, Now, would they beat the Cowboys? Okay, but I feel like this defense keeps you in game. I'm not opposed to that. I can see how you you come to that conclusion. Uh, You know. Um, but I, I think for for 
the Cowboys is just finding, uh, you know, more consistency in it. And if they can get their offensive line straightened out, I mean, they're moving in that direction, then I think that helps them find some consistency and find a more consistent running game because that's what they want to do, play action and run the ball. And we can say whatever. You guys can view the Cowboys however you want to view them. Right now, now we are one month into the season. Right now, the Dallas Cowboys are behind the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 4-0, and and the Minnesota Vikings, who are 3-1. and They technically, right now, are third in the standings in the NFC. Now, they're 3-1, and the Giants are 3-1, and and the Packers are 3-1. and We'll see what the Rams do on Monday night, but that's where we're sitting right now. So you can, oh, they haven't played anybody. Look, all you can do is play your schedule. And one month into the season with a backup quarterback, the Dallas Cowboys are 3-1 and one and are technically the third seed right now in the NFC. Hey, there you go, bro. Live the dream, baby. Hey, take care for what you want, man. I'll tell you this. I, I think we are starting to realize, and I kind of think the Rams will win tonight against uh, San Francisco. But I, it feels like we are starting to realize that the Panthers, the Saints, the Lions, and the Commanders are just not going to get it done, that they're, they're probably the four bottom teams. If San Francisco loses to the Rams, I don't know what you make of them. Cowboys are in this thing, man. I, I, I don't think you feel the Falcons. I don't think you feel the Seahawks or the Bears. The Cowboys are in this. I feel like there's eight teams in the NFC. One of them's getting left out of the playoff because seven of them go to the playoffs. And right now, based on what we've seen through a month, I would put the Cowboys as one of those seven playoff teams. Now, are they two or three, or are they six and seven? I don't know. But based on what we've seen, I think this is a playoff team. All right. I still I ain't ready to go there yet because y'all remember I predicted eight and nine yes. uh, this season because um, I thought, you know, nothing's really changed for me except that they've been winning. <laughs> Imagine that. But, you know, I, I just – I don't believe in their offense. Uh, I hope they get better, and if they will, then they'll win games. Uh, but until that, man, I just, uh, you know, I got some trepidation. I won't argue with you. I'm just, all I'm saying is, like you like to say, sports is fluid. Yeah, it is. What's true today may not be true tomorrow, but what's true today, the Cowboys are the third seed in the NFC. At the, and like, if the playoffs started today, Cowboys got a home playoff game. Well, no, they don't because the Eagles won the division. Damn it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's a quick one tonight. Cowboys win. They are 3-1. Rams, 325 kick on Sunday. Man, I got a big week coming up. I'm flying to Texas. Got my Hall of Fame induction ceremony next weekend. We got a lot to get to here in the next couple of podcasts. A lot to get to. Hell yeah. So we will cover all that. Appreciate you guys being a part of this one. Short but sweet tonight. Enjoy it. We will talk to you again coming up. We'll have a new podcast for you on Wednesday. Look for it. A lot to discuss. A lot to get into as we continue with this. I got to tell you, man. I really got to tell you. I thought right now the Cowboys be 0-4. They're 3-1. and I am, I'm taking it. I love it. This is a <laughs> way, that, bro. way more positive first month of the season than I thought when we recorded the podcast after that first Sunday night football game with that loss to Tampa Bay. Way more yeah, positive yeah. outlook. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. 
Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.